Okay. Well, it's good to be with you all today. I wonder, as we, we come to it, I wonder if you've seen the lockdown art challenge that began in Russia last year and has since spread around the world. The idea is to find a work of art from one of the great masters and imitate it. My sister uh, did uh, with this portrait of Frederica Maria Beer by Egan Schiele. This is her imitation. It's pretty good, isn't it? Good use of her tablecloth, don't you think? Thanks, Mim. I think Mim's actually in the meeting today. Well, what about this one? This is a portrait of Gelber Narenhut by Hausner. There's quite a few imitations of this online, but I really quite like this version. What about something trickier? What about this sculpture of Perseus with the head of Medusa by Cellini? How would you imitate that one? That's not bad, is it? Well, look, what Jesus is asking of his disciples in this passage and what he's asking of us today is to imitate him, our master. And the picture he gives us to copy is the picture of washing one another's feet. We heard last week that Jesus used this image to illustrate three things. Firstly, his own death and resurrection for the washing away of our sin to make us right with God. Secondly, the ongoing work of the Spirit in our hearts to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. And now, in, uh, this, in verse 12 to 17, we see the third application. He sets foot washing as the pattern for our lives. In verse 12, it says, having washed their feet and put his robe back on, he sits back in his place at the table and he probably looked at them all in turn and said this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Well, apart from this being a bit of a gross thought, we might also ask the question, how can that be? Isn't the work of Jesus on the cross unique? Well, yes, it is. We can't make ourselves or each other right with God. But we do have a part to play in the ongoing work of helping others to find faith and supporting one another to flourish in our faith. And the way we play our part is the same way that Jesus played his in loving, humble service. Do you understand, Jesus says in verse 12, Firstly, you call me teacher and Lord. So Jesus is saying, what have you learned by being with me? I washed your feet. Now wash each other's feet. What I've done for you, he says, is not just for your benefit, but something you are to do for the benefit of others. I have given you this example to follow. Jesus does more than just give us good theories. He does more than just fix our problem. He also sets a pattern for our lives. And Jesus makes two further statements. They're kind of logic statements. Very truly, I tell you, or it stands to reason, maybe. Firstly, that no servant is greater than the master. And secondly, no messenger is greater than the one who sends them. Well, Kate Campbell and Patrick Mills were the flag bearers for Australia on Friday night at the Olympics opening ceremony. They were chosen to represent us, to be the faces of Australia to the world. And I think they were a great choice for lots of reasons. 
Well, if we are to represent Jesus, if we are his messengers, his face to the world, bringing good news of the gospel to others, then we must live it out in his humility and love as we do it. This is when the gospel really shines and makes sense when it speaks of the one who sends us. And there's three things I want to point out about living in this pattern of Jesus. It's counterintuitive, it's countercultural, and it brings blessing. Well, first of all, it's counterintuitive. Humble service goes against our usual way of thinking about how to make things happen. Jesus says, wash one another's feet, not get out there and clean up the whole world or the neighborhood even. You would think that if you wanted to start a global movement of mission, as Jesus does, that you would come up with a different strategy. Where's the bigger picture? To follow Jesus looks unimpressive, small and slow. Sometimes his way even looks like failure. It started in the room that night with that small number of disciples and Judas walked away soon after Jesus washed his feet. He betrayed him for money. Maybe in Judas's mind, the foot washing business clinched it for him. He didn't want to pattern his life on Jesus. It wasn't going to be glorious or ambitious. Well, if we are Jesus followers today, we must remember that we have joined a foot washing movement. And if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, you need to know that you'll be joining in this kind of counter-intuitive lifestyle. The Apostle Paul explains the motivation for doing this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's counterintuitive, but we do it because we know that God loved us first and gave his life for us on the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead and commissioned his little leftover band of disciples, those men and women went out and spread the good news in foot washing mode. They planted tiny churches in each place they visited. They listened and dialogued with people. They spoke the truth about Jesus in culturally nuanced ways and with love. They built relationships with people. And Paul often wrote in his letters how he longed to see and visited the churches that he had planted again. It was in this way that people came to faith and learned to follow Jesus by watching his messengers. The humble pattern of Jesus was the model the church lived out from the start. And it continued on as the gospel spread across the world and throughout the centuries. It's not an obvious way to build a following, but it has the authentic mark of the God who loves us and wants to be gracious with us. Well, next, our life of humble service is also countercultural or at odds with what we're led to believe a successful life should look like in this world. Jesus said, wash one another's feet, full stop. Not, look, you can wash the feet for a short time and then get promoted to hand washing and then in the end you'll be um, in a position where you can outsource it altogether. 
No, foot washing is for every Christian, from the new Christian to the established leader, from kids to elders. It's not that we shouldn't dream big or even work hard, but if um, our dreams and work are directed away from ourselves and towards the good of others and the glory of God, then there will be inevitable sacrifices to our own comfort and resources. In Acts chapter 2, we see the first church meeting in each other's homes, eating meals as one community, sharing what they owned, looking after the poor, inviting others in, no matter what their social status or cultural background or capacity to contribute financially or physically or intellectually. This was radically countercultural. They all worshipped Jesus together and called each other brothers and sisters. Now, we're not going to look exactly like the early church. We don't need to be countercultural just for its own sake. But since no servant is greater than their master, we are all called to take our place at each other's feet, to be involved in the life of the church. You might watch on the sidelines for a time, but the real deal comes in serving one another. In our church, we've got two main ways that we practice this loving, humble service of Jesus pastoral care and discipleship. Now these are my definitions for these things, the way I think about um, how we uh, wash each other's feet in the church. And first of all, pastoral care is giving of ourselves to support one another in the particular circumstances of life that we might find ourselves in. And that will mean putting aside our own interests to care for one another's physical, mental and spiritual well-being. It might mean sharing some of your own resources, your time, your money, your energy, so you can listen and provide support where it's needed. And because we'll do it humbly, we will be non-judgmental and patient with one another. At the moment, while we're apart, we need to be creative with pastoral care, checking in with texts or phone calls, praying for one another and with one another, picking something up for someone who can't go out, going for a walk with someone or posting a surprise letter. Even turning up here on Zoom today is an act of pastoral care. Do you realise this? Maybe you've come because it's good for you, but being here is good for all of us. It's encouraging. Hanging around to chat at the end of church is also an act of care for one another. Even if you don't need it, but you have the capacity, you might think about sticking around to see how others are getting on. We're all coping with life differently right now and it's not just COVID restrictions. All kinds of things are going on in our lives. To love one another with listening ears, to continue to share joys and bear one another's burdens is a gift that we give to one another. Without pastoral care, we can easily give up on our faith when life is tough or become proud and forget we need God when things are going well. Sometimes for one reason or another, you might have a really low capacity to give out. And hopefully that means that you are being supported by other people. But it doesn't mean you miss out on serving either. The prayers and the presence of people who have less capacity for whatever reason are often the secret weapon of the church. If you know that this is all you can offer, do it knowing that Jesus' greatest moment of service for us was in his most weak 
and fragile state when he died for us. Prayer and your presence are the foundation on which all other service grows. Well, discipleship is overlaps pastoral care a bit, but really it's very specific in supporting each other in the ongoing work of growing in faith to maturity in Christ. And we can serve one another and support the work of the Spirit in so many ways. By listening and praying for each other, by reading God's word together, by holding each other accountable as we persevere in godliness, by wrestling with difficult questions and doubts together, by sharing our own faith stories. Some of this happens on Sunday mornings and in our kids program and in our youth group. It happens in a messier way, a more foot washing style in our community groups, where you get to know a few people well and become more vulnerable with one another. If you're not part of a community group, you might think about joining one, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of others. Discipling one another requires patience, and it's about relationship, getting to know each other and being on mission together. And if we do this humbly, we'll be aware of our own failings and weaknesses, and we'll be able to identify with one another as Jesus has with us. Someone else's spiritual struggles might not be yours, but we will be understanding because we know that we all struggle. While there are risks in getting involved in pastoral care and discipleship, following the pattern of Jesus may make you tired sometimes as you stretch yourself for the good of someone else. It may mean you're overlooked at times because you're not talking about your own achievements. You might decide to sacrifice some earning potential because you see your time is spent better elsewhere. You might feel personally exposed or vulnerable as you share your story of knowing Christ and his work in you. And sometimes you will have to be brave as you speak difficult truths into the lives of someone else. It sounds hard, but Jesus makes a promise. And this is the third thing I want to say about foot washing. In verse 17, Jesus says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Well, many of the early church leaders suffered rejection and persecution, even death, just like their teacher and master, Jesus. In parts of the world today, to be a Christian is to face the same kind of problems. We don't face this here, but serving one another can really be costly still. Where is the blessing in this? Well, we need to understand that blessing is not about having everything your heart desires now. That's how we often use the word. And while it's true that every good thing comes from God, Jesus never equated that with blessing. Indeed, he turns that idea on its head too. Earlier in the service, we said the Beatitudes together, that teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the poor, the hungry, the meek, the merciful, the persecuted. Basically, blessed are those whose lives look like Jesus' own life did, of humble service and self-sacrifice. Blessed are the foot washers. Why? Because, he says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, for they will inherit the earth, because God will show them mercy, and because they know nothing can separate them from the love of God. 
These people know the salvation and presence of God in their life and the riches of life together, belonging to God's family for now and forever. Well, it sounds really good and maybe you're thinking a tad idealistic. Well, it is. And that means sometimes it will be hard when it doesn't, the reality doesn't match. Sometimes we'll feel like giving up and we'll wanna go back to just looking after ourselves. And when this happens, we need to look again to the one who sets the pattern for us in the first place and lived it out. Paul finishes that passage in chapter two of Philippians with these words, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we look to Jesus raised on the cross, we need to remember this was not the end of the story for him or for us. The promise for those who follow in his humble pattern is that they too will be lifted up in due time we can have joy in being part of his life here and now together. And we can look forward to the day when he comes to raise us up with him again. Well, we need help to do these things. And last week I suggested you practice inviting Jesus to wash your feet daily by praying the examine prayer at the end of the day. And so I thought this week I'd give you a prayer for every morning as a way of asking God to help you as you love and serve others like Jesus. Now this is from the Anglican Prayer Book. Uh, you could write something similar and less formal in your own words if you preferred, but it's a good one to start each day with. And I'm gonna finish by praying it now for us. Let's pray. Eternal God and Father, by whose power we are created and by his love we are redeemed. Guide and strengthen us by your spirit that we may give ourselves to your service and live this day in love to one another and to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.